0: Santa baby, slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby.
1: I'm down the chimney tonight. Welcome to what she said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. It's just a little under a week now until we celebrate Christmas with strict virus protocols in place across much of the country. And while we can't let our guard down yet, there is hope for spring now that vaccines have started to roll out in every province. So this year, instead of focusing on what we can't do, I'm going to focus on making this COVID Christmas as memorable as possible for my daughters and myself, since there's no way we're going to forget it anyway. And since I will be taking a break over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to take the opportunity right now to wish all of you the happiest of holidays with your loved ones. So no matter how you're tuning in today, I hope you're slowing down a little to enjoy the season and to listen to today's incredible lineup, starting with Jana Gurdowskis of The Period Purse. Women around the world sat up and paid attention recently when Scotland announced that all menstrual products would be free. So I talked to Jana about the possibility of that happening in Canada, what period poverty is, and what's that blue fluid on TV commercials about anyway. From periods to period drama, Anne Brody joins me to share details on Viola Davis's Oscar-worthy performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix, which also features an Academy-worthy performance from the late Chadwick Boseman. She also has a fun take on a Jane Austen classic called Modern Persuasion to Share, plus enough entertainment to keep us all busy during the holidays. Love him or hate him, the elf on the shelf is back, so I invited the always fun, always practical Julie Cole to join me to discuss why parents get so wound up about Santa's little tattletale. Halfway through the school year, a lot of parents and kids are giving some serious thought to throwing in the towel this year. I would know I'm one of them. Stephanie Sewell, an independent education consultant, joins me to walk us through what stepping back this year could look like and where you can start to have the conversation in your own home. Anne Brody is back for a second segment this week with an exclusive interview with George Clooney from the newly released The Midnight Sky set in a dystopian future and based on the Lily Brooks Dalton book, Good Morning Midnight. Finally, to put us in the right mindset as we get ready for a new year, I'm joined by Kara Lada, founder and chief fun officer of The Playful Warrior. Kara wants us all to rediscover the benefits that come from learning to play again, and I think we can all agree that we've probably been a little too serious lately. It's another great show, so let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region.
2: Hurry down the chimney tonight, hurry down the chimney.
1: November, Scotland became the first country in the world to make period products free and women around the globe said, what? We didn't even know that was possible. Jana Gerdowskis is the founder of The Period Purse, now a registered Canadian charity. The Period Purse strives for menstrual equity and reducing the stigma of periods. Since 2017, The Period Purse has donated over 45,000 monthly period packs to marginalised menstruators. When she is not talking about periods, Jana is also a teacher, a mother of two, and lives with her family in Toronto. Welcome to the show, Jana. Hi, thanks for having me. So I have to ask you as a first sort of, you know, this was huge news out of Scotland. Um, Do you think we'll ever see that here in Canada?
3: Oh, yeah, we were so excited to hear this and how much media it got was really exciting because people... We're saying periods and writing periods and talking about it, and and it made it ask this question: like, is it going to happen in Canada? I hope so. Um, the federal government has done a proposal for free products in all federal regulated building. It's one step um, to help alleviate period poverty, even in a country like Canada. There's so many layers of it, so. We got to start somewhere and hopefully Canada can follow suit in that. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about
1: period poverty then, because uh, Mm. I think that's something that we don't talk a lot about. I went on your website, I watched a little video and it said, you know, a lot of people when they donate to shelters and things like that, they donate clothes and they donate beauty products and very rarely do we don't donate uh, period products.
3: Why is that? I think it's something most of us have never thought of. And before I started the period purse almost four years ago, it had never crossed my mind what somebody who's experiencing homelessness does on their period, or that expands to somebody who is living in low margin with their income, and they have to choose between putting a meal on their table and another box of tampons, which obviously they're going to choose the meal. So yeah, period poverty is really that um, economic disadvantage that somebody has that makes something as easy for me, who was privileged enough to be able to afford it, like a box of tampons or a pack of pads, that that is a struggle for them to afford.
1: Yeah, I have to tell you, I think you hit the nail on the head is something we didn't think about. I watched that video and I thought, holy cow, I had not thought about that. What does somebody do um and, and to watch that video was heartbreaking because you to realize you know what what they do do and what they do use um you know that's that's just so um it, it's not right obviously so tell me then about um you know you have uh why you call them period products and not feminine hygiene products
3: yeah, all of this was such a learning experience for me. Um, if you go into your local drugstore, I love to look up at the signs in the um, aisles and see what they call them. So, um, whether it's hygiene products or feminine hygiene products. So, when I started getting into the period, person listening more and learning more about it, I realized that not everyone who menstruate identifies as a woman. So, not everyone who menstruates. Is a woman and not every woman menstruates. So this is just a really easy way, and that we did some learning and listening to have some inclusive language. And that is calling them either period products or menstrual products or just a pattern or a tampon. Um, it hasn't doesn't have anything to do with feminine, whether I'm feminine or not, or they are feminine or not. And also hygiene, that word also when I think about it more really started to bother me because that's saying that it's, it's dirty or we need this, but really menstruation is just health and normal. So that's why we, we use those, those terms of period products or just menstrual products. So it's good learning that we do, and we're lucky enough to be able to share it with people like this podcast. So more, someone else can learn and Next time in your in the drugstore, you can look up and have a giggle too with the what they call it. <laughs> it's
1: true. It's like the blue dye they use in the commercials. Like you're not fooling anybody. Exactly.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so-, so much stigma. All these, all these things that have plastered on that has created a huge stigma around periods. How are you raising
1: awareness of the period purse then? Um I imagine that you are online and whatnot, but are you are you raising awareness in the schools? How are you getting more people to understand uh, so, sort of period poverty?
3: Mm-hmm. So when I started to peel back this onion of period poverty, we really feel that the core of it is education. Because like you said, we, we, we can't show blood or red, red dye on TV. It has to be blue. Um, we have to put a tampon up my sleeve while I go to the bathroom at work or um, young people have to whisper about it and be uncomfortable about it. We just don't talk about it enough. So that's why, one, I'm a teacher. So that education piece is really important to me, but also seeing that there were so many adults out there who are in decision-making roles in their job who are uncomfortable talking about periods, and therefore period poverty. So if we went back to the younger generation and taught them about periods, letting them know that it's normal and healthy, and this is what it looks like, but also, this is what period poverty is. And this is what reusable products are. So they know all the menu of choices and not that it's just not a pad and a tampon. So. We are going into schools, we talk to girl clubs in high school, we do some girl guides, we do church groups, any group of young people who wanna learn more about periods or period poverty or different options. We do these great virtual um, online little lessons that are fun and free and um, educating that next generation, really to reduce the stigma, getting people to be more comfortable with it so when they grow up, they can be in a job that they can make the right choices and talk about it and whether it's hey why are we putting that blue dye in that commercial to making choices when they sit on city council to all the all the various jobs so it's a slow kind of pack at the big iceberg but it's a it's a great thing and we're we're loving the energy of the young people and what they're curious about and especially about the environment and wanting to know more about reusable products. So it's a great piece of the period purse.
1: And has, has the demand for help increased because of the pandemic? Have you noticed that as well?
3: Like people donating to us mm-hmm. help is that what, so of course we've all heard how the pandemic has really highlighted and increase the need of people who are in need. So the demand has definitely increased. We have seen um, a lot of people wanting to give, and this is what's so great about the period purse, is that you can give by following us on social media and sharing about us. You can run a mini drive and ask your friends all to donate one pad of period, like pads. You can donate $15 and that supports one um, menstruator a month. So there's some really great and easy ways to give um, depending on where, what's comfortable for you. But I think when it's such a hard time in this world, giving back when we do have something to give does feel great. And it's really something that's easy to do and really can affect your, your community and help out those who need it.
1: You, you, you're right. And when we think about all the ways this pandemic has affected everybody, this is some one way that, you know, I had not thought of until this week. So I hope that other people are now thinking about this. If people want to get involved, they either want to volunteer, send money, uh, raise awareness, where can they find you and where can they follow along on social media?
3: Awesome. Of course, we have our website, theperiodpurse.com. And we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And we got some super fun videos on YouTube at the period purse. So follow along and share. That's how, how it's going to grow and how we're really going to reduce the stigma of periods.
1: OK, and maybe one day we'll be like Scotland and we'll be celebrating free uh, menstrual products for everybody. So thank you so much for joining me today, Jana. This was very enlightening and uh, and kudos on, on what you do. It's amazing. Thank you, Candace.
4: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. I,
1: Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody. And Anne, what are you bringing us as we head into Christmas
5: break? Oh my word, so much, so, so much. The, my piece online is so long, but we're gonna narrow it down to some of the best. And one of the best is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Viola Davis. She's definitely gonna get an Oscar nomination. Um, and of course, it, was, uh, it also starred the late Chadwick Boseman. He will likely get a nomination as well. Uh, so it's about this recording session in 1927, in this sweltering studio owned by by white producers, and Ma Rainey is this uh, just entirely narcissistic character, a very famous blues singer from the Deep South, and they're trying to they're trying to work under pressure of time and getting things done and doing things the way the white producers want. She won't have it, so it's this battle of wills. And of course, her background musicians, and they, we have an interview with them. They are terrific. Um, you know, they, they go along, but then they have to deal with this Chadwick Bozeman. Honestly, there's so much happening in this relatively short film, but Viola Davis is like a kick in the pants. She, what a great performance, just stunning. And I, would- I,
1: I have to ask, Anne, I watched the trailer for this briefly. Is that really Viola Davis singing? Yes. Wow incredible
5: isn't it absolutely just so talented i'll never forget i saw her on law and order in the 80s and i had a chance to tell her later how bloody wonderful she was all she did was she was a corrupt cop and it just stayed in my mind she's so gifted all right well i can't wait to see that one what else do you got what's what, what, what can't we miss uh you cannot miss another round with mads mickelson this is uh denmark's oscar entry to the uh, international film And he'll get a nomination. He plays one of a group of four teachers at a high school and they've just discovered this theory that people were born with a deficiency of alcohol in their system. This is for real. Someone really had this theory and so they decide to drink. So they drink all day and all night. Sounds so stupid Um, but they perceive their lives as as improving uh, the kids like them better at school. they have better relationships with their family. but of course that doesn't last so long, right? And, and Mads was a, a jazz dancer and he, he uses it in this film. It's just such a treat. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like, what are you doing?" and really engaging? Yeah, the, the, the trailer for this was
1: was, was humorous and, and, and a little bit heartbreaking too, because uh, you can yeah. see where it's all going uh what yes. else uh, what else is on the uh, docket this week okay
5: john patrick shanley has uh, he, an irish fable-esque kind of thing that he he wrote and directed starring emily blunt and jamie dornan christopher walken and john ham of all people so here they are in ireland these two traditionally warring families living next door to each other for generations um they're at odds, but the the young people, well, in their thirties, have been unable to say to e- to each other that they love one another, and they have since they were ten years old. So if, here they are; they're in their mid thirties or so, trying to get it together. Uh, John Ham comes on the scene in a Rolls Royce into this rural Irish area to buy up the properties. Um, Chris Walken's character is extremely difficult. Um, and he's, he's pretty good with that accent. So it's, it's, about, it's about their family interaction and about the idea of tradition and, and generational habits. And when can you break them? It's really lovely. Ireland looks beautiful. It's done in a very lyrical way. So I think it's quite enjoyable. I think people would find it very refreshing.
1: Well, as uh, since we can't escape for real, uh, at least we can get lost in the uh, scenery on the movie as well, right? You got that right. Yes, indeed. Tell me about Modern Persuasion.
5: Yeah, Alicia, Alicia Witt. Do you remember her? She was Sybil Shepherd's daughter in the series Sybil? Mm, maybe, yeah. She played classical piano. She was considered a, a child prodigy in all areas, like incredibly intelligent and musical and all of that. And she's also a singer. She stars in a modern uh, adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion So it's set in Manhattan in a PR firm. And of course, instead of the balls that they would have had in Regency times, they have PR launches, (laughs) which you can relate to. And so she's single, she's approaching 40, and all of her friends, including these little millennial, not little, young millennial girls who just speak and do the whole millennial thing. It's hilarious. They're uncomfortable that she's on her own, so they keep trying to set her up, as does her aunt, played by Baby Newworth from Frasier, um, and she's resisting it all, so they find themselves out, the, out on the coast, which is what they did in, the, in Jane Austen's novel, in the Hamptons, where it all comes down to, uh, to business. So it's it's light, it's fun, it's distracting, and Alicia Witt has the best collection of blouses I have ever seen in all my days.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I tell you, I'm seeking out a little light and uh, fun. So got uh, it this first, week
5: for all of these and more. Where can people go then, Anne, to catch this? Um, uh, mostly, well, uh, Black Bottom, Netflix, another round, D- VOD, Wild Time, VOD, Modern Persuasion, VOD. Perfect. Yep. So, and you've got them all
1: listed on what she said, talk.com as well. Yep. Sure do. Wonderful. Thank you, Anne. Okay. Bye. Bye. Before we get to our next segment, if there are little ears around, you may want to scooch them out of the room. I don't want to burst bubbles for little children. But now that just the adults listening, love him or hate him, the elf on the shelf is back and he's a polarizing little guy. My next guest is a recovered lawyer, mom of six and co-founder of Maple's Labels. Julie Cole also has strong opinions on Santa's little tattletale and is joining me today to see if we can find a way to all just get along this year. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thanks, Candace. So why do you think the elf elicits
6: such strong responses in people? It seems like we either love him or hate him. Yeah, look, I think um, the elf, like most things, with parents, you know, we're a very... We're a very opinionated lot. Uh, We kind of overthink things and we spend a lot of time sharing these opinions online. And that seems to be a way of making us form even stronger opinions. And then when we make our opinion, we stick to it and we will fight for it because, you know, this is that elf on a shelf and it deserves a lot of attention. But I think the crux, I actually, so my kids are older now. They're 11 to 21. There are six of them. So I'm on the tail end of the elf on the shelf. I was probably one of the first ones who used it like about 10 years ago, one turned up and I ended up writing about it. And I I did think like this was a little bit of fun, but I think some of the controversy might come around with the fact that like the elf, the elf kind of enables our bad parenting. So let me, let me explain. So, Christmas in itself, like the Santa stuff, it's like, oh, okay, we're going to bribe now. Santa's watching, you be good, and then you're going to get the presents. So, so we're bribing and I'm not usually a briber, so that never actually sat perfectly with me. And the other thing, too, is that we end up doing a lot of empty threats. So if you don't do, uh, you know, if you don't do these things, you're going to not get your presents. And I am yet to meet a child who has had a lump of coal in their stocking. So basically the kids are learning that bribery is works and, and that parents are full of empty threats and they're actually going to get what they want for Christmas in the end. So I think that might be a bit of the controversy for me or where, where I see it, it's like, He's just our little enabler. He's going to go back every day. At the end of the day, we're going to be like, okay, what's the elf going to go tell Santa tonight? So it's more like threats, bribes, that sort of thing. So I think that might be where the controversy really is.
1: So, you know, for me personally, I think it, it, it's really, I mean, I I brought the elf uh, into the home, you know, a few years into Christmases with the kids. I, You know, and I remember just at one, at one point just packing it in because... I felt like I was just failing at this elf thing. I'd forget to move him. Um, you know, other other moms were doing really cool things with their elves. You know, and it became almost like this competition. And I thought, I'm just not measuring up. <laughs>
6: <Right>. <laughs> well, I think it's fair to throw in the towel some times, but. Here's the thing. I mean, you know, it's 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 a month. I did it too. And of course I forget to move it. I, and like, I'm the worst tooth fairy too. My kids sometimes have teeth under their pillows for like five days, right? Like that's how it is. I do think it's nice now for me with having older ones. I've put one of them in charge of Elf. So if you have an older child and you kind of bring them into it, you can delegate some of those elf duties. But at the end of the day, you know, love it or hate it, do what you want to do, I just think don't have strong opinions about what other people are doing about it. Like if you're going to get your knickers in a knot because somebody is doing Elf on the shelf and you think it's dumb and you don't want to do it, so don't do it. But, you know, keep the judging McJudgers to yourself. And, and if you are spending so much time worrying about this, you need to start thinking about things that are a little more important going on in the world. I right?
1: You're in control of when the Elf arrives in your house. I mean, and honestly, if, if you want to bring the, the Elf in on December 1st, and you yep. think you can maintain that? Then by all means. But if if you really think all you've got in you is Christmas Eve, he arrives. <laughs>
6: yeah, right. Well, That's and I think a lot of a lot of people got a free pass this year, right? Because they brought their elves and then they put it in little jars, so they had to quarantine for fourteen days.
1: I think that is the most brilliant thing. Really, you probably technically, if you brought him in December first, you may only have to move him twice he, every time he goes to the North Pole, he has to quarantine for fourteen days.
6: Yep, exactly. That's true. So he can go back on the 14th, then come back, and I'm afraid he's got another 14 days in that jar, and then you're, then you're done. But at the same time, if this is something, and I get it, if you want to opt out, absolutely. It's, you know, your life, your elf, your kids, whatever. But I will say as somebody, and maybe you also, Candace can relate to this a little bit because now we've got biggie-sized kids, is that this stuff only lasts a short amount of time. And like, literally, you will wake up one day and your kids won't believe in any of the things. And it's kind of a sad moment. I mean, it does make life a Well, you're easier. now making me,
1: I've literally got tears in my eyes now. Right. Magic. But and that is true. That, that, that is true. Yeah, it, it goes it's by like quickly. You're only
6: going to have such a, It goes by quickly, you're only gonna have a few December's that you actually have to move the show. I felt the same way with the kids' hockey, you know? I was at their hockey arena, all six were playing hockey all day Saturday at different hockey arenas, and I never complained about it because I thought one day I'm gonna have all Saturday to myself. Oh, I'm gonna wish I was cheering on a kid at hockey. Always the voice of reason, Julie. i try <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if people want to find no, you online really and, you. and follow along where can they find you
6: well you can find i write um on our mabel's labels blog which you can find at Mableslabels.com. you can follow me on instagram at cold.julie and at mabel's labels we're pretty much everywhere. Yes.
1: excellent thanks again julie for joining me
6: thanks Candace.
4: Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
1: a lot of parents trying to drag your children through this school year whether they're in school or participating online there's a chance by now you've toyed with the idea of throwing in the towel and then you may ask yourself is that so crazy after all Stephanie Sewell is an independent education consultant that works with families who are seeking guidance. Stephanie believes that each young person deserves and is capable of co-creating an educational path that works for them. And she's joining me today to discuss ways to engage your child in learning. We're also going to talk about the concept of calling it quits, because maybe it's not really calling it quits. Welcome back, Stephanie.
7: Thank you, Candace. I'm delighted to be back.
1: So I, invited you back because I am part of a uh, teen support group and I, you know, witnessed a chat with a group of parents discussing the concept of throwing in the towel on this year's education. Their kids are just not engaged. They're not going. They're not participating. They're really just zoned out. And it got me thinking about what would be so bad about
7: calling it quits this year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the first thing I would do is say, how about we change the wording around it and think not about what we're not doing or what the kids would not be doing. So take the focus away from calling it quits and dropping out of school and all of that kind of thing and just saying, what might we do differently this year? Maybe it's the year to take a gap year. Maybe it's the year to say, you know, I'm going to explore more a self directed learning kind of approach. Things are crazy. This is an interesting opportunity to just step aside and do something different for now.
1: You and I had a little bit of a conversation offline about this, about the concept of a gap year. Mm -hmm. And I really liked what you said. You said, uh, you know, who said that a gap year has to happen between high school and university?
7: It's so true. It was something that somebody, I can't even remember now where I read or heard it, but somebody said, why do we always think of a gap year as being only after high school? What about thinking of a gap year as being whenever you need it? And if you think about you know, university profs who can take a sabbatical every seven years for a full year or every three and a half years for a half year, like that notion of sometimes we just need to take a bit of time away. It's a huge notion and we are used to seeing it in other places. So why not look at it for kids? Think about a kid who's grade eight, for example. They're kind of at the end of their really little kidness. They're not quite stepped into full on adolescence. What an amazing time just to have A year away from what you normally do in a chance to discover and explore your interests.
1: And I think we need to be mindful of the fact, you know, that I know that as adults, we often talk about stepping off the hamster wheel and getting out of the rat race. And, you know, why is that not a privilege we extend to children and to kids to give them that same opportunity?
7: It's a really interesting way of putting it. Um, I don't think that we think of kids as being in the rat race. I think we, we're very used to thinking of school and activities that's just what childhood is that's kind of what you do between the ages of you know 3 or 4 or 5 and 18 and it's just not part of our way of thinking to think differently
1: well i would have to say if there's a year to be thinking differently it's it's this year <laughs>
7: For sure. I don't think we have a choice about it, actually. <laughs>
1: so my, uh, my youngest daughter and I are toying with the idea of self-directed learning. Um, so what does that look like?
7: Well, so self-directed learning is the idea that you are literally directing your own learning. So normally we think about learning as being a function of a curriculum, a school system. We have the notion that you know when you're in grade one you should be able to do this you should be able to do that by grade eight you should be able to do this so it's kind of stepping aside from all of that and saying well what are your personal motivations and then following the path that they take you on so for example um you know if you you're mentioning your daughter if you have a child who's i don't know say 13 or 14 and they decide that they want to explore self-directed learning then they're going to start by freeing up their time. So they're probably going to step aside from school. They might step aside from some of their other activities that they were just kind of doing without thinking about doing them, just they were in the habit of doing them. And with that free time, they're going to start thinking, well, what do I want to do? Oh, I like drawing. Well, okay, I get to spend some time drawing. You as a parent start looking at how can I facilitate this process? How can I create the environment that allows them to self-direct? You know, do you have a neighbor who also loves drawing and maybe they can draw together over zoom right now <laughs> once a week or you know if it's for my son an example that we always had is some um, history class that he took there was a, a friend of ours who's a musician who's passionate about history we could never get him to leave after a music lesson because he'd stand at the door and talk about history for an hour it was amazing and we approached him to do a history session with a group of homeschoolers and they learned so much and they all wanted to be there and their conversations were incredible. So these are some of the things that you open up opportunities for when you define as a self-directed learner.
1: It's interesting that you say that, you know, because I, I think about back to my own uh, time in school and I think about conversations that would start to happen in a classroom that would be really engaging and then we would hit the end of class and it was over. Uh, you know, and that that sort of, um, you know, it would kill the moment, really. And, and then, you, you know, you would never really picked up where you left off. Um, and so I, I imagine with self-directed learning, there is no timetable on that. So you can go as long or as short as you would like into a subject.
7: Absolutely. The timetable is only framed by um, what you have going on in your life. You know, if you're, if you're in a session with a group of people and somebody has to leave, then that, that's the end of your conversation. But these are real limits, not the kind of artificial limits that a school um, a timetable places on conversations. So yeah, you're absolutely right. You have the opportunity to delve way into something. Or conversely, if, you're, if you try something out as a child, as a teen, and it's really not your thing, that's okay. You just stop. You go on to the next thing and this provides opportunity for true exploration
1: so i want to talk a little bit about fears that parents of older kids might have allowing their children to do this uh, and as such a parent uh, i can i can attest to these some of these fears so what are what do you what would you say to parents who are thinking well now my child might not go on to university or college
7: I would say I totally understand why that is a terrifying concept. Um, my kids are 18 and 15. I've been working in this field for you know, 15, 20 years in one way or another. And with my 18 year old who is currently choosing to apply to university coming from a homeschooling background, I still have the feeling of like, oh, what if he doesn't get in? And wow, oh, what do you know? Even though I know that that's not actually something to worry about, so I totally understand. And um, if you spend time as a young person self-directing, you know what it means to take responsibility for your choices. You know what it means to create a life that works for you. You know, if we think as, you know, the people, everybody you know who's between the age of 30 and 60, a good part of them aren't doing what their university education supposedly prepared them to do. You know, we create our own Um, careers, our own ways of being more and more now. So likewise, it's no longer necessary for somebody to finish high school and to go to university in order to live a successful life, in order to have enough money to live. So it gives us the opportunity to, um, to open up different possibilities for our kids. There's all kinds of data to support the fact that you do not need a high school education, high school diploma in order to go to university. You don't need a high school diploma to go to college. You don't need a high school diploma to get a good job. There are many ways around this. And I mean, that's one of the things that I do is support people who are wanting to go to university who don't have a diploma or are at that age where their peers are all heading off to university and they know they don't wanna go there because they don't really know why they would go there. So what do they do and helping them to figure that out?
1: So these are really important conversations and they're obviously deeply personal conversations that people need to have with their children, but also with somebody like you who can show them all the different ways through. So where can people connect
7: with you? Well, absolutely through my website, which is stephaniesewell.ca. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And of course, simple email is always good too. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stephanie. This was great as
1: usual, a wealth of information. Thank you. My pleasure, Candace. Thank you. Just- For a second time this week is the lovely Anne Brody, who has an exclusive interview with George Clooney, who directs and stars in Netflix's end of days drama, The Midnight Sky, an ambitious project meant to chill literally and figuratively.
8: Well, I think that the the main uh, objective in this thing, you know, there's an interesting thing that happened along the way. Um, We were about three weeks into shooting in Iceland and we shot all my stuff first. And then I get a call from Felicity and she says, Oh, uh, uh some, there's some news. <laughs> like, what is it? And she goes, I'm pregnant. And I was like, and I, I did it this way. Congratulations. We're very happy, very excited for you. And then there was this long pause and we go, so what do you want to do? And she goes, I want to do it. I want to, you know, and she got a trainer and she was, we want to work out on the wires. And we were like, we, you know, we don't want to put you on the wires and we tried things like we tried to deny it for a minute we tried to pretend that it didn't happen so we we were shooting around her and shooting things three times and we were going to do a head replacements. and then it really came down to the idea that the best versions of things are when you accept them and you don't see them as problems and so once we decided well people have you know people get pregnant it happens the world you know and, and so suddenly it became uh Wilbur, who's her son's actual name, who by the way should get a screen credit, introducing Wilbur, <laughs> became a character to us. The, the the crew of the of the ship, all of these five wonderful actors, sort of joined together in protecting her. It became a family, it became something that was important. And so we could write scenes about naming the kid or you know doing the ultrasound with Tiffany which is i just think is such a stunning scene it's you know they're they're waiting for any sound at all uh, any sign of life and the only sign of life they're getting is from you know uh, inside felicity you know and it's just a to me that suddenly be- it became infinitely more hopeful in there and there was a and there was a real fight for the idea of whether or not this whole a a thing of mankind is worth the struggle and you feel as if when you see that it is and also by the way my my you know if you finish the film without the last five minutes it's a it's a film about you know in many ways it's a film about regret because of the character that i play um but he gets uh redemption and i think redemption is a really big important thing that washes over us and gives us hope and all of those things. So I, I found it to be a very hopeful film and I found it to feel that way. I mean, we all felt very, um, you know, we felt like uh, uh, Felicity and what she was gonna go through was all of our uh, responsibilities as well. We wanted to make sure she was okay and everybody was all right. And it drew everybody together in a way that I, I think also helped it feel very hopeful.
2: Um, well, initially, I was very worried that I would get fired. Uh, So it was a great relief when, (laughs) when, um, (laughs) when, uh, when George just made it the most, um, encouraging, just made me feel completely comfortable all the way through. And I have to thank him that, um, initially when we were, when I was trying not, uh, to look pregnant, then I was denying myself a lot of chocolate cake. So when he said you can actually be pregnant in the film, I was relieved that I could.
8: Oh, the wheels <laughs> came like,
2: off. Exactly, exactly. I was like, thank God. Um, so it was a yeah, it was a really, really uh, instinctive and and special process. And and as as George was was saying, it was it was um, testament. To his modernity, to embrace what was happening and to embrace the truth of what was happening, rather than rather than trying to run away from something. And um, we have seen, you know, pregnant characters in films, but it's still pretty revolutionary. And particularly, uh, a pregnant woman in space is. If I could find oh, no way.
4: Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
1: If there's one thing for certain this year, it's that we've all been taking life a little too seriously. Carolata is the founder and chief fun officer of The Playful Warrior, a brand that reconnects adults back to their inherent nature and playfulness. She is also a play and mindset coach and the creator of Thought Play. Thought Play is an innovative eight-week play journey that transforms your subconscious mind and uses the power of uninhibited creativity to create a life that excites you. And as we head into the tail end of a very difficult year, I can't think of a better person to join us today. Welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here and to chat with you. I have to tell you, I'm very excited to have you here too, because, you know, when I was reading this, reading about this and and all about it, I thought, yeah, you know, my creativity, my joy, those things have sort of been sucked out of me this year. And um, I really want to go into 2021 with the right mindset. So
0: I'm excited to hear about it. So tell me how you started this. Yeah, well, I was actually let go from my job in March. As soon as COVID happened, I worked in public relations and I had already been doing a lot of inner child healing. And honestly, a lot of terrible things kind of happened to me and I was healing and I realized that everything in my life seemed so dark and overwhelming and I was feeling really stuck. And I realized that one thing that is actually so powerful for our healing is joy and is play. And I felt so disconnected from that. So I actually started doing... One playful thing every day, every morning, and just saw my life getting so much better. And I looked around and I saw that as adults, we are so disconnected from play. And I mean, that's just society, we get conditioned out of it, or we learn that it's fluffy or immature or childish. But Once I really started connecting back to it, I knew that I had to do something with play. I knew that I had to bring it to adults because there are so many amazing benefits. So I looked around. I didn't find any other play coaches for adults. But I just knew that this was an amazing idea, especially since so many of us are, yeah, disconnected from our creativity or our joy, especially during a pandemic. So I felt like there was no better time to bring this to the world.
1: Yeah. You know, you look at, you look at young children, uh, you know, through this and, and I mean, I'm talking very young children, not teenagers, certainly, but (laughs) 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 young ones. Uh, they are, you know, life is pretty much okay. They have what they need around them. They're playing uh, you know, they get lost in those, in those worlds and they get to be creative. And that's, I, I love that, that you can bring that back for adults. So
0: are you the sort of the first play coach you know of? That I know of. Yes. So I did a lot of research and I found play coaches for children, but I didn't find any for adults. And as you just said, like we come into this world, so creative and curious and spontaneous, and it's like, what happens? Like, where do we lose that? And I truly believe inherently we all have that inside us. So that's what I want to do is bring that out of people and actually just bring some fun to our lives as well. Um, So yeah, as, as for what I know, I believe I am the first one. Okay, so tell me then about some of the women that you've been working with. So how is this all going? It is going so amazing. Honestly, I couldn't be more thrilled. So I'm working with a lot of moms, actually. Moms who tend to prioritize their kids or everyone else in their life who are finally choosing to prioritize themselves because the thing is, is it's not selfish. It actually means that when you are prioritizing your own play, you're teaching your children how to play more and how to find their own joy. So you're actually benefiting your family. So it's honestly the most beautiful experience to see women being like, this is the most fun I've had in so long and seeing them connect to their childlike wonder. So it's been so transformative. I've also been working with quite a few millennials as well. These are women and men who love experiences, who are not so much into those material items, but want to go on this fun adventure of rediscovery. Uh, so yeah, everyone I'm working with is having an amazing time. They're having so much fun, but we're also doing really powerful mindset shifts as well. So getting them, whether it's you know a new career they want or just finding more joy in their relationship as well. You know, play is so healing for relationships. I always believe that a relationship without play can very well die. So I,
1: I, I guess my first thing would be what does play look like? I mean, honestly, I'm so far
0: removed at this point in my life. I don't know, think I'd know where to start. Yes, that is such a good question. So one thing with play is that it actually is very much in the present moment, we are really getting curious, we are exploring, and there is no outcome, I think that is the most important thing. Um, So as adults, we always want to have like an outcome, we want to achieve, we feel like we need to be like getting some kind of result. So it's very hard for us to just be in the moment and do something that feels purposeless, when actually it is very purposeful. So for example, a lot of people will do going to like escape rooms or board games, and these are great. But if you are so set on the outcome, or like winning, that is actually not play if you are getting disappointed by your loss. Play is like really being in the present moment, enjoying whatever is happening, whether you win or lose. Uh, So for what I say for getting connected to that, I mean, movement is really great. Just like fun, silly movement. I always recommend to trying like doodling or art, but putting a blindfold on. So you're actually taking away the critical factor of your subconscious mind. So you can just really explore what art feels like without that outcome. Well, I,
1: I have to tell you, I am, I am intrigued. I love this. I think it's amazing. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find out more about you?
0: Yes, you can find more at theplayfulwarrior.com. You can also check me out on Instagram at the playful warrior. I would love to play with you and chat more.
1: Amazing. I thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think it's a great concept. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been so fun. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region.
2: Hurry down the chimney,
1: chimney.
4: Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com
5: Hey listeners, I'm Christy And I'm Melissa And this is Buried Motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome
7: dirtbag murderers
6: She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag